Hey everyone, I know you've heard me speak about microdosing and how much I love it. And I'm talking about microdosing THC. I love it. And that's why I love our sponsor, microdose.com. Microdose gummies are incredible. They deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. And when I mean just the right amount of good, I mean in so many situations, anxiety, sleep, focus, pain, relaxation. There are so many different strains and they're really helpful. And I have recommended microdose.com to so many people. And you know what they say to me? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't be afraid of microdosing. Go to microdose.com and you'll learn all about microdosing THC. These gummies feel amazing. They taste amazing. I have used them to get me into the zone I need to write. I've used them at night after a stressful day or a stressful show to relax. I have also said to family members, please take a gummy right now. And they've said, oh, good idea. So check it out. Check it out because they're fantastic. And I'm not like a big weed person. I mean, I used to be. And I do enjoy, I do enjoy weed every now and then, but I love, I love these gummies and I take them with me everywhere. So check it out. Don't be afraid. They're all natural. They're fantastic. And you deserve it. So what are you going to do? You're going to do something that is fantastic. You're going to get 30% off your first order. 30% off. That's a lot. Plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Use promo code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. It's available nationwide. They deliver it to your door. That is microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold for 30% off and free shipping. Do it. Go to microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold. You deserve it. You deserve it. And you know what else? You're welcome. Well, I don't see the point in waiting any longer. Let's bring her out. The star attraction, the one you came to see. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Ms. Judy Gold. Ladies and gentlemen, look, I don't know how to introduce this next guest, except we have so much in common because we're... I'm going to just do a warning before we begin today that the Jubel, if you're working with other people, which you're not because we're in a fucking worldwide pandemic, if you play this podcast loud, just know this is going to be nonstop Jubel today. Nonstop. Okay? Ladies and gentlemen, one of the most, I mean, I love this guy. I can't believe he's so fucking young and so fucking talented. And so fucking smart and so fucking cute. Alex Edelman, everyone! That's Woo! so nice. And it's sad because I want that printed on my gravestone, but it's too okay. obscene to go there. Right. But you know, and you're not getting cremated because you're a. Okay. <laughs> Alex, you know, as I research you, you know, you think when, you know, you, you do a podcast, you think, oh, 
I'll have a young comic on and he'll have nothing, no life experience, but not Alex Edelman. First of all, you are so cute. Thanks, Judy. Don't you think you're cute? Like, do you look at the... No, really? All I see... Oh, come on. All I see is a schnoz that could could bridge the Hudson. No, it's such a good schnoz. I have to say... When you did that thing in Melbourne, you know, where the... Yeah. Where, where you have to argue each... So I did that at the yeah. Just for Laughs Festival, which I loved. You look so fucking hot. And I'm not, you know, I'm a lesbian, but come on, you got to get a lot of girls. I, you know, I've always had wonderful partners and, and girlfriends. I've always been, been like, okay, but I'm a specific taste. Like, I'm an extremely specific taste. Okay, so I have a friend who's a gay Jew guy, mm-hmm. and he thinks Andy Samborn is the hottest thing in the entire world. And I guarantee you, he would think you're the hottest Andy thing Samberg. in the entire world. Andy Samberg. Andy Samborn. What the fuck is wrong with me? Yeah, you All just right. made him a country club uh, guy. Uh, and Samborn. All right, so Alex Edelman, you know, you know you're going to be a huge force in this. I mean, you already are very successful, but you realize that I'm going to have to ride your coattails and you're going to have to help me because I'm 57 and everyone's like, don't fit the algorithm, go fuck yourself. So if I have an Alex Edelman on my side, I'm all set. Judy, you're already like a role model for like most of the young comics I know. So I don't know what else you- I need money, Alex, and I need a show. Okay, so Alex Edelman is from Brookline, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. the most Jewy part of Boston. I mean, everyone says Newton, but Brookline is like old Jewy, like settlers of Jews, okay? <laughs> Alex is the oldest of three boys, all with names that begin with A, which we'll get into at some point. Mm-hmm. Orthodox family. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. And we're going to get, you know, you started doing stand-up at 15. Yes, great. Okay, you're so cool. Okay. No? 15, right? I mean, I went to my first open mic when I was 15, but right. I didn't get serious about it until, you know, college. Right. I did mine first at 19. Mm-hmm. And then I got really serious, like, after college. But I was kind of serious in college. All right, so your genealogical DNA, like it seriously, you fucking lucked out. Okay. What are you you talking about? I just, yes. So your mother's a lawyer, Cheryl. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to read to the uh, audience. I'm just going to have to do this about a hundred times before I read this. (laughs) Okay. Oh my God. (laughs) Okay, your father's an engineer, a scientist, a cardiologist, and an inventor, and a professor. Mm-hmm. He went to MIT, where he has three degrees, and then he went to Harvard Medical School. I mean, what the fuck is that? I mean, your grandmother, does he have any siblings, your father? Yeah, he's got three siblings. Two of them are lawyers, and one works in finance. And which one is he? What out of the three? He's the the oldest. He's the oldest of the three. Okay. How do you follow that? Like, uh, first of all, your mother. You can't. 
Like your no. mother, your grandmother. Is your grandmother still alive? No, sadly. She was, oh. she was so, 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 so smart. She was the first woman to go to University of Chicago, high school, University of Chicago, and then the University of Chicago Law School. No fucking way. When did she graduate University of Chicago Law School? I have no idea, but she was there with Patsy Mink and Robert Bork. She was like a really clever, smart, you know, lawyer. And my dad likes to tell a story about they went on a family trip to D.C. And my grandmother's there like wearing shorts and stuff. And and in the Senate, they're taking a tour of the Senate. And she like detours to like go say hi to Robert Bork or something. And he was and Robert Bork was like, Esther, like I'm sure I'm getting the wrong. <laughs> but yeah, these, um, are, these were and my grandfather grew up on a graveyard in Staten Island with nothing because mm-hmm. uh, his, his father came over from Europe and the only job he could find that would let him not work on Chavez was taking care of a graveyard. Yep. Very Jew bill. And then he oh, uh, wow. went to Columbia on the GI bill and got a degree in engineering. And so my, my dad is, that's my dad's side of the family. Okay. And, and then, your mother's side of the family? My mother's side of the family. Grandfather is a Holocaust survivor. Like, never talked about it ever, 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 ever. Like, Alive? my dad brought it. No, he passed away uh, a year and it. a half ago. Okay. Yeah. Never talked about it? Never once to me. Uh, a cousin got a little bit out of him, but he was one of, like, basically, like, double-digit siblings and only, like, two or three, you know. So Survived? He, yeah. He went to... He was... He was a he was one of those small town Jews in America when he emigrated here where like he was the rabbi and the kosher butcher and the shochet and the moel. Like he did everything. He cut anything. Hey now, he yeah. cut the uh, brisket and the penis. Good night, yes. folks. Um, and then whatever. And yeah. your grandmother on that side? She um, she helped. She paid for his medical school when he decided to go to medical school by getting a job as a real estate broker. And you know, she was a she held the family together. She was like a really. She still I don't understand the story since the Holocaust never happened. So I don't understand. Yeah, it's a crazy lie for uh, my whole family to commit themselves to. That's so weird. Such an Um, insane thing. So. When I, I, you know, I had to look up your father, uh, Elazar. Is that his name? Elazar. 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 Shit. Because I was thinking Eliezer, you know, because the Bible. Um, So uh, Elazar and Uh, and Cheryl. Yeah. Where did they meet? Like, first of all, I can't imagine being your father's mother. My son. has a PhD from MIT and uh, he is at Harvard Medical School. Oh, don't you have three other kids? Yeah. And he uh, has has over 80 patents, but what about your three other kids? Uh, Yeah, they're fine. And uh, I mean- Do you know there's that old old joke about the the first Jewish president selected and his mother's up on the dais at the inauguration, oh, yeah. and she nudges the person sitting next to her and goes, you know, my other son's, son's a, doctor. a doctor. I know. <laughs> that is the, I know. What, what about the, the, the one about um, the, uh, <laughs> there's one about the son is uh, drowning at the beach, and the Jewish mother's oh, yeah. like, my son, the doctor, is drowning. And <laughs> <Yeah>. then, 
they rescue they rescue the guy and uh, the mother's like he had a hat. Yeah, all right. So, combining two, combining two. My, I know. My, my my last thing, my favorite Jewish joke. Period. And Steve Fabricant at the cellar tells us one a lot. Is um, uh, <laughs> these two Jews are walking by a church and there's a sign that says that if you convert, you get six hundred dollars. And one of them says to the other, "Goes, hey, go in there, get convert, get the money. We'll come out, we'll split it." And the guy goes in and he comes out five hours later, and his friend is like, "Did you get the money?" And he's like, "Is that all you people think about money?" <laughs> I know, I love that. I love that joke. <laughs> um, that one is a great one. I mean, classic. Uh-huh. How many Jewish mothers does it cha- take to change the light bulb? I don't want to trouble anyone. I'll sit in the dark. I'll yeah. sit in the dark. I mean, I love that one. I mean, we are a funny people. So yes. you're the eldest of three. Your brother is a fucking Olympic athlete. I mean, what the fuck is going on with these jeans? I mean, the, the funny thing is, like, I'm very happy with my life, but also, like, you know, I am, I have... ADHD, I have Same. ADD, I'm Same. dyslexic. I'm no. the whole the whole thing is just it's like uh it's like some it's like the most elegant cake, but it was it wasn't left in the oven for long enough, right. you know? Like I got the best ingredients, but um you know, I, but yeah, I've uh I've inc- my dad and my mom are two incredible people and I'm really it's so weird because when I was starting, all the other comics had great jokes about their issues with their parents. And I was right. like, ah, oh, my fucking parents didn't give me anything to be upset at. You know, like, <laughs> they weren't rich. They weren't, we were like solidly right. middle class because my dad was a professor, you know, like, right. and, you know, my mom was a part-time lawyer at, uh, she's, she's a, you know, she also has a raft load of degrees. My mom is really, really smart. But, you know, I had a very, like, sort of, I had great parents. I have really great parents. And my brother, Austin, my brother, Austin is the golden boy. He's the one who. So Austin is the youngest. He, he plays lacrosse, I think. No, he does. He doesn't. He would. Did he he go to Penn State? No, he went to MIT. He's at MIT right now. He's a college student. Oh, is that, oh, that I thought. Are you completing a, are you, is there a mistake in the Google? No. What I did was I couldn't find anything about Austin. So I looked up Austin Edelman and I saw this picture of someone who looked like you and it said Penn State. And I was like, oh, that's probably his brother. I, I don't think, I think okay. all of us are too Jewish for Penn State. I yeah, don't know okay, so your brother, it, but the other brother went to MIT, right? Or no? Yeah, AJ went to MIT. And- AJ, by the way, Olympic athlete for Israel. For Israel, Olympic so athlete. Okay, so your brother, AJ, okay, is known as the Hebrew Hammer. Yes. He um, competes in the skeleton. Which is like and, but luge, now, but head first. It's like yeah. luge, yeah, but head first. Which, how does a Jewish mother allow their Jewish son who went to MIT- She hates it. She hates it so Head much. first on a tiny sled. Yeah, he's trying to smash his cake. I don't know. He's he really uh, she really hates that he does it so. And he much. does bobsled too. Yeah, he does bobsled now. He's um, like, and he's the first Orthodox Jew to compete in the Winter Olympics. Yes, that's what I'm. That's what I'm told. Although I have, I don't know how comprehensive that is. I haven't checked. You know, every okay. Well, I did my yet. goddamn, goddamn. All right. So, all right. You grow up in Brookline. You're mm-hmm. in this family, and you're you're Orthy. 
right? Orthodox Jew, yes. Yeah. And what, did you go to public school? No, I went to a yeshiva. yeshiva. I went to a Jewish day school. And were you popular? No. Okay. Of course not. I had a set of friends early on outside of school. I played ice hockey. I played in, right. I played on a on a local ice hockey team. So I had those friends and uh, I got some jobs very quickly as a kid. So I was working in an office but besides that. Yeah, that's normal. And you, when you're 13 years old, you decide to write a newsletter for kids for the Boston Red Sox. Wow, you really have done your research, Judy. This is, this is, I mean, this is the best research podcast of that. Like, yeah. Really? I, I, yeah. Yeah, fuck. When I was 13, I, I got a job writing for the Red Sox. I wrote the kids' newsletter for the but Red you, Sox. But you created that. Yeah, I mean, yes, I really wanted to, yes, I really wanted to be, like, I was a huge Red Sox fan. I sent them letter after letter, and eventually they were like, oh, fine. Just do whatever you want. You're an edge! Yeah, a pushy, pushy Jew. A pushy, pushy Jew. So here's what's interesting. You know, you're you're from a bunch of brainiacs, and yet everyone plays sports in your family, which is not Jewy. I love, we all love sports. Sports are so much fun, but I right. think, I think there's a nerdy aspect to sports too, where you're like, well, it's like chess a little bit, you know, right. like we all love chess. We all love, I think there are Jews are secretly, they love sports. They're just not good at them. Like right. my brother made the Olympics. He came in 27th place. You know what I mean? Like he's not. Jews- oh, shut the fuck up. Well, my. I have a Division One athlete that came out of my body. That's true. That's right. true. Well, your son's a basketball player. Right. But, you know, talk about hard work. I mean, he, he yeah. is gifted, but he's also very coachable. And he had a female coach when he first started who taught him, you know, about, not about, like, win, 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 but about form, 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 and, you know, get feet footwork and hand-eye and blah, blah, blah. And he's, like, a, an amazing one of the best three-point shooters of his age group in the country. Right. I mean, like, but that is how, yeah, that's how Jews do it. You just right. practice, practice, practice. Right. Hey, everyone. Did you know that Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the United States with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the United States? And I'm one of them. You're listening to one of them. Fast Growing Trees has everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and your space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever, forever. I just want you to know that I just got off a plane and I walked to my apartment. What was the first thing I did is I came in and said hi to Avi, my fig tree. I'm telling you, and I have Yael, which is another plant, but Fast Growing Trees has changed my atmosphere here in my apartment. You don't need a lot of space, but they do have, you know, they have stuff for outdoor spaces. But I live in an apartment, and I'm telling you, Avi and Yael, yes, they're both Jewish names, Hebrew, 
the space looks so much better. And I just had a conversation with Avi. Like, I was like, I missed you. I love having living things here. It's very, very, I don't know, it's made this more of a home. It's the best. And Elisa has some too. And she loves them. And she talks to them too. But she got that from me. Anyway, check out Fast Growing Trees. You need to be around plant life. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code Judy Gold, J U D Y G O L D, at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code Judy Gold at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code Judy Gold. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. You're welcome. You're growing up. You're going to yeshiva. Now, your bar mitzvah. I'm assuming mm-hmm. that yeshiva boys' bar mitzvahs are not as big as the public school. They're not This fun. is my... F- right. My so- bar mitzvah. The theme of my bar mitzvah was depression. No, no. There was... Uh, <laughs> Can I steal that? Theme of my... <laughs> yeah. I the, yeah, my bar mitzvah had no theme, but it was on Purim, the Jewish Halloween. Yes, and so I read the Megillah. The you Jew- did that was your oh my the god, whole Megillah. You usually, did not. Yes, for non-Jews, usually the Jewish bar mitzvah reading is about a little bit less than ten minutes. Mine right. was an hour and twenty. I had to read this thing, and people hated how slow it was going because there's in Orthodox groups, if you mess it up, you have to start again. So no fucking way. So in conservative, which is where I, if you mess up, they just, you go back to that word. They go, and then you go. Yeah. 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 But this is, but yeah, it was, it was, um, so you had to start the Megillah again. I never, I didn't, I didn't. And also I've never, that's what the law says, but I, it's such, it's so extreme that I I know I can't with the extremes. So do you, when you were doing your, uh, reading of the Megillah, they were, did they all have noisemakers every time you said Haman? Yeah, of course. The, it was a big, it was a big thing. This is such inside baseball, no pun intended for Jews. Okay. So let's explain for the non-Jewish listeners that Purim, it's, it is sort of like our Halloween. And again, it, you know, we, we end up murdering someone, which is excellent. But we eat those, those Hamantaschen. They are cookies. In. Yes, yeah, triangular cookies. Based on his hat. If you're a New Yorker who wonders what Purim is, it's you know that one day a year you see a Hasidic Jew on a street corner dressed like Superman? That's Right, that is Purim. Because you get yeah. dressed up, you tell the story of Purim. Everyone, you know, eats these uh, humantashen. And gets wasted, basically. Yeah, getting wasted is part of the, part of the, uh, this is so Jewish. Right. Part of the Talmud, uh, there's a big argument over, which is Jewish law, there's a big argument over whether or not you have to get drunk enough that you can't tell the difference between blue and green or the difference between blue and white. But either way, you have to get wasted until you like, it's the law. You have to get wasted. Right. And my uncle's. Are real sticklers for the for the Talmud. So is you know. everyone in your family, you you know, from your father's generation, orthy? 
Yeah, I consider myself modern Orthodox. Modern which Orthodox, is crazy, yeah. but yes, right. I mean that's how I, I was raised modern Orthodox, and yeah, you know, like I try to chill and out Zionist, and you're a Zionist. Yeah, within reason, you know. Same, like I, same. I'm, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm too pro-Israel for people who are purely pro-Palestinian. Right. And I'm too pro-Palestinian for people who are purely pro-Israel. I agree. I'm in the same boat, um, but I do believe that a lot of the people who are so anti-Israel might want to visit, since you're allowed to, and mm-hmm. check it out, see what's going on. And yeah, then maybe do, then maybe make an opinion. And I just say I'm a lefty. I'm a lefty. I'm a lefty Jew. So like, yeah, I've, you know, I've same. done stuff for pro-Israel causes. I've done stuff for like pro-peace causes. Same. So you know, same. Like, I'm not. You know. Okay. So you're 13. You're going to yeshiva. You, you're the oldest of three. Your younger brother, uh, AJ, is being mm-hmm. bullied in school. I mean, yeah, we were all bullied. We were all bullied in school. AJ, AJ. But AJ really has taken on the bullying issue. Yes, he has. You know, it's part of his sort of Olympic athlete um, thing. Oh, okay. So, but if you're in your, like I went to public school and I was bullied incessantly, right? Oh yeah, of course. I would assume in parochial schools, Jewy parochial, I mean, you can't really get nerdier than that. I mean, who bullied, like, did what They're kind of bullying? Everyone yeah. gets bullied. If you if you didn't get bullied, you were a bully. Like right. and, and if you did if you if you were a bully, you probably got bullied. Like there's a cycle of bullying that is incessant. Everyone right. gets bullied all of the time. I got bullied at my Jewish summer camp because I was like uh, people were annoyed at the way I played at roller hockey. Like that. Oh, like, shut you, the fuck up. I know people are. Did you go to sleepaway camp? Of course I did. Okay, so I went to sleepaway camp, and I, I'm going to tell this story. Please. It's not good. So I went to sleepaway camp, Jewy Jew sleepaway camp. I grew up in a, my mother was very, we were conservative I would say. Okay. Sure. I mean, we drove to shul, hmm. but my mother wouldn't knit or do any, you know, thing on Shabbos. Sure. But mm-hmm. we had to drive, otherwise, you know. No shawl, yeah. No, we could have probably walked. All right, anyway, some people in the shawl walked. Anyway, but we drove. Anyway, so I was at summer camp, and I hated it, because I was, I guess I was, well, so I was in seventh grade or eighth grade. So I'm, I was almost six feet. I was probably like 5'10", five, 5'11". Five, and I, we were in the bunk, and, you know, the, Jews are very clicky, you know, there's, right. So you have, you know, you have the clicks in public high school, you know, in life, the burnouts, this, but yeah. So I was really tall and we had the open showers. Did you have the open showers? Like, sure. And so everyone you go in, it was like, probably like, calm down, everyone. The gas chambers. So uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. We have to take that out. Um, We have to take it out. I know. I'm just saying it made me think of, you know, all these people in one. Yes. Yeah. In one room with spouts coming out of the ceiling. And uh, I never took my bathing suit off because it was, I was so embarrassed. I was so big. Anyway. So after um, I wanted to be in the top bunk and I couldn't be in the top bunk because I banged my head in order to go to sleep. I, I would 
bang my head against the pillow. It was a thing I did from the minute I got out of the womb. And I had to stop banging. So, the, so I started shaking my leg. Anyway, and I wanted to be in the top bunk like Peter Brady. And I was in the bottom bunk. My mother actually brought me to the camp director and said, you know, we're having a meeting. I would like literally walk in this office. We're having a meeting. Uh, so the camp director can tell me I can't knock. And I'm like, Ma, why don't you fucking tell me? Why do I have to get embarrassed in front of this woman? That's- uh, it was awful. So uh, hmm. one girl got bit by a bee or something and got had to go home because she was allergic. And I was like, oh, can I sleep in the top bunk? And I slept in the top bunk. And I guess I was shaking my leg and I fell out. And everyone's like, hey, see, hey, yeah, that's why, because you were saying, yeah, because you wanted to sleep in the top bunk. And then I left, I only went for four weeks because I couldn't bear the seven or eight weeks. And I went back to the dorm after I had packed up to pick something up and someone carved in the fucking dorm wall, Bigfoot slept here. Okay. Oh my God. Isn't that awful? You're smiling, but- I'm smiling yeah. because I because your impression of everybody in your bunk is exactly <laughs> how. Oh my god, Judy! I can't believe it. You know what? She was supposed to be here, and now she's not. You know, all you care about is yourself. It was so fucking. And I was like, oh, I hate all of you. I did something that I'm not super proud of. That, what? Go. That, that's well. I was at this Israeli hot. I was at this something called the Israel Hockey Academy. It mm-hmm. was. I was the only you know, Boston kid and everyone else was from one of the five towns, Lawrence, Woodmere, you know, one of these places. And uh, I was just an outsider for, because everyone else was a, you know, Lawrence or Woodmere kid. Everyone was, uh, it was a different, it was a different thing. I was not welcome. And, uh, and there's this one kid and his name was David Bernstein. And uh, I know he lived not, across the street from me. There was a David Bernstein who lived across the street. Not David Burstein, but his no name Burn Bernstein. Okay, okay could have but, been a, but yeah, it's a very common Jewish name. But rest, this kid, yes. this kid would one. He did something that I hated so much. He he bullied me, sure, but he broke my favorite hockey stick, <gasps> and then he uh, and then he sort of stuck it in the mud outside my bunk. So when I came out in the morning, like my two halves of my hockey stick were there. And so I launched a campaign of terror against this kid that had to, um, I spread a rumor. I put sand in his sheet so that he never was like, I put like, I would like cut little bits out of the bottom of his shoes so that he walked with like an instep. I like, I found out which shampoo was his and I put like vegetable oil in the shampoo (laughs) so his hair was always greasy. And then I was like, do you notice that David Bernstein's hair is always greasy? And he was like, and that's your shampoo even more. And it was like the most disgusting horrific, sociopathic. I was like, I'm going to break this kid down. And then I was like, hey, I've been noticing. <laughs> I remember, so like about a week into this, I was like, I noticed that you're just like having some problems every day and conveniences. And like, if you apologize to me for my hockey stick, I can make sure that they stop. I was like a little mafia boss. That's good. I like that. <laughs> I was a fucking monster. And yeah. I, I told that story once to a group of people and genuinely, everyone was sat there open mouth. They're like, "You're a maniac! How do you think that?" that but wait, story... so what happened? So did he stop? Did he hated me? There was um, 
a meeting. There was a meeting with, with us two and the camp director because the counselors weren't stupid. They knew that I was like right. d- trying to destroy this kid's life. And uh, David Bernstein paid for a new hockey stick. And uh, I don't understand, like, why didn't he just get in trouble initially? Because um, it was all hearsay. And also, I don't know if you know this about or remember this about Jewish camps. There's a real, like, counselors sort of let, like, frontier justice happen. A big right, problem right, with right. bullying is where they're just like, ah, it'll do, do we need to have a meeting? And everyone's right. like, nah, we don't need to have a meeting. Right. Now now I'm sure it's different. Now it's, now it's like, oh, my God, safe space. Okay, so you're 15. Mm-hmm. You're at a Jew school. Now, you did really well. You did grades-wise? No, horrible student. Absolutely horrific student. How did that work with the perfect parents? Not well. They were. It was a lot of pressure. They felt. I felt. I feel real bad. You know, just like when your kid is learning disabled, and right. you were a smart, and you were two sets of kids who got great grades. I think you're just like, what? The but weren't f- they going on? I know. So, when did you realize you had dyslexia? Sophomore year of college. No fucking way. So you're going through all, and you're, you're, can you describe what it's like to have dyslexia? So like I pick up a book, right? Mm-hmm. And I see, let, right, let's take my book. Yes, I can say that when they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble. All right. So, and I just open the, and I just start reading. So when you open a book. I can and- read. I, I can read. I just have, it, it, sometimes things just swim in front of me. <laughs> Sometimes I can't get a handle on the page. Sometimes I can't. You want to know what's weird? I can't do, there's certain fonts that I do better with and certain fonts that I do worse with. Like there are dyslexia friendly fonts for people. Like that's really? how. Really? What are I, they? Um, I don't know. I have it in my, I have it in my email somewhere so that there are. What are you, like the whole time you're in school, are you. I mean, you must have absorbed all the information. Was it that you tested poorly, that you couldn't... I mean, I had AD... I have ADHD and ADD, so... It's just things felt... Look, I would look at a page and it would feel, like, busy to me. Right. Like, sans serif fonts, like, Arial, like, those are pretty decent fonts because the letters don't look so, like, bunched up together. Right. But I didn't get it. And also, it was... I was reading Hebrew, which is right to left, and... I was having real issues with that sort of, um, and I still, it's hard for me to, to read that way. And by the, it's not like some people on the spectrum of dyslexia are really like, they can't read anything. They can't do anything. And, uh, and I'm, I'm lucky and I'm actually a quick, uh, reader with, you know, but like there's a book called, um, a visit from the goon squad, which is a great Jennifer Egan novel. And it's got all these different typefaces and these, and like, there's just one or two chapters where I was like losing my mind, where I couldn't follow the book at all. And Marcus Zusak has a book called the book thief with a bunch of different fonts. And I was just like, I hated it because I could, the book is wonderful. And I listened to it on audiobook, but like, just, just can't, could not do. So, um, so yeah, I have, I have these, but more it's ADHD is a big problem for me. It's like, all, couldn't it focus. Horrible? Oh, I cut it. I, I remember, and I, if I had been diagnosed before I was in my forties, maybe I would have had a fucking different life. But I remember when I was a little kid and we would have like reading time and you would get a piece of carpet, you go pick up a piece of carpeting in the corner, like a, mm-hmm. a mat and everyone had a half an hour to sit and read, right? 
And I would sit there watching everyone read. Like, I, it, it, I couldn't, I could not sure. focus on the, sure. and I was like, there, there's something wrong with me. There's something, you know, but like you read Hebrew, I read music. So I think that uh. that, and I read Hebrew too. We, I, I would go to Hebrew school, but music, I read more music than I ever did books when I was growing up. I, I, I loved think- comedy because I had a sense of writing, I think. Right. Like, I loved the writing a, a element of comedy, but it wasn't, you didn't have to read it. Right. Sorry, I interrupted you, Judy. No, no, I'm just saying it was, uh, it's so weird when you have it and no one fucking knows what, you know, and you think you're just abnormal. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. How did you get the balls to do stand-up at 15? Um... I loved stand-up, and I had listened to the Brian Regan album live at summer camp, and I was in love with him. And Brian Regan, and by the way, comedy is amazing because, like, I was aware of you as a teenager and like a fan of a fan of yours and Gary Goldman's and oh. you know all the great Jews, right? And that, and now I have a wonderful life where I regularly get to interact with uh, my heroes, including you know Regan and I uh, speak occasionally, and like that's he's crazy. He's brilliant. He's a oh brilliant my god, guy. he's a genius. And for right. children, he's you know especially mid two thousands children, he was especially accessible, and his stuff was really funny. And it was and you know sometimes clean comedy has that stink of boring about it. Right, right, not but his, like, not Regan. So I I loved Regan, and I I wanted to be just like Regan and Weird Al. Like I loved the you know. Oh, I, Weird Al is a fucking genius. He is, and I've never met anyone who doesn't like or appreciate Weird Al, who I respect. You know, like people right. like. Like I really love, uh, and and I wanted to be like that. So, but I didn't know that there were comedy clubs for people who I, I thought the only people who went to comedy clubs were like you and Seinfeld, and I thought there were twenty comedians. Right. And I was like, and I remember walking by the this place called the Comedy Vault in Boston, and there were there was a sign for four comedians and that I had never heard of, and I panicked because I was like, oh shit, there are like twenty four comedians. <laughs> And then the next <laughs> week I walked by and there were four different comics. I'm like, oh my God, there are 28 comedians. <laughs> How am I ever? So I went to a music open mic next to Boston College in a place called a place called Rogie's. It was a pizzeria in Cleveland Circle in Boston. And I asked this woman hosting the music open mic, I said, can I go on? And she said, what instrument do you play? And I said, I want to try stand-up comedy. And she went, that seems like an awful idea. And, I, and she said, how much time do you want to do? And I said, how much time do the musicians do? And she said, 20 minutes. And oh I said, my I'll God. do 20 minutes. Oh, you did it. And you were 15? I, were you by I, yourself? I was, I get this. I rollerbladed to the pizzeria. Oh, That's how by myself my I was. God. Okay. I bombed so hard. I Did ran you- out of material after three minutes. I right. didn't know that you could leave the stage. I riffed on nothing and didn't get a single laugh for the longest 
time. And I, when I get off stage, I walk to the back and I put on my rollerblades and I'm trying so hard not to cry. And the whole audience is looking at me. And I thought, I'm never trying stand up again, right. ever. And the woman hosting the open mic made one snide comment. She went, who knows, maybe he'll get better one day. And I was like, bitch. That's right. That's all you needed. (laughs) That's the one. If she had just been like, give him a round of applause, I would have maybe never tried it again. But I was like, one spiteful comment for a woman who probably meant well. Like, it's not even the worst thing to say. I don't think that was, I know. I don't think that was. Maybe he'll get better one day. I was like, is that a challenge? Because I will. And so, uh, you know. did Did your parents know that you went and did this? I got outed by a local newspaper. This guy named Dave Radigan was writing in the Boston Globe. And there was an article about, about people doing stand-up in, on the local scene at the open mics. And there was a sidebar with little jokes in the sidebar. And I had one horrific joke there about how, you know, I go to a Jewish day school and they teach us all the normal Jewish day school stuff. Like, you know, uh, math, history, science, Talmud, world domination, and it was, <laughs> and it was, uh, it was in the sidebar, and my mom saw it, and she's like, "Is this you?" And I couldn't be like, "No, it's a different right. Alex Edelman, right. 17. But, um, but yeah, I, I sort of fell into the local scene a little bit, and they mostly, they had no idea you were going out and doing this. They thought I was going to the library. No way. Yeah. So this I went on bad. for two years. Well, it went on, but also they sort of, after a while, I think sometimes I'm like, was the 2000s just a different time? But right. it was 2007 or so. And my parents were just like, go, try not to be home too late. But like, right. I was going out in high school, like not, not to bars or, or clubs. I was going to like little improv theaters right, in right. Somerville that had, that had shows. And I was watching comedy and I was, tr- I was really taking in the local comics that I admired, like Tony V and Lenny Clark and oh, Gavin and Steve love. Sweeney. Yeah, and, love. And, and Kelly McFarland, who's mm-hmm. like, there are just a bunch of great comedians. And I would go to the Comedy Connection on the weekends. I'd rollerblade down there. And Adam Genovizian, who's now an agent, he was working the door and, and he would let me in for like 20 bucks. I would give him 20 bucks and he would just sort of scoot me to, to the back. And I saw comics that some of whom are no longer alive. I saw like Greg Giraldo there. Oh, I saw, you know. I and loved Greg. Judy, did you ever, you played The Connection once or twice. Yes, right? of course. Yeah. But I saw countless comics come through and sometimes I'll be working a show with a comic and like in the back of my mind, I'm like, I saw you when I was 16 and right. you meant everything to like Dom Herrera. Right. Oh, I love Dom. Dom is the fucking funniest. The I was funniest. I when I saw him. And also oh my like, God. People, people cursing and talking about like, you know, cunnilingus and I was yeah. 16. I was like, this is the most avant-garde <laughs> rock and roll alternative shit you could possibly imagine. And it was just like, it was just like two drink minimum chicken finger salad. Oh my God. I love it. So when you uh, applied to NYU, right. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. you put on your application that you were doing stand up? No, no. I was, wow. I would think that would help you get in. So or, I actually, the thing that I don't say much, but this is true. I didn't get into NYU on my first uh, shot. I, I applied, I had terrible grades, but I was a decent hockey player. And a really wonderful coach um, who was coaching at BU, ice hockey, put in a good word for me at BU, and I got into BU. Mm-hmm. But um, I just kind of knew that I wasn't going to – and the expectation was that I wasn't good enough to get a scholarship, but I would try to um, 
I, I would try to do well enough to uh, to maybe okay. walk on or play club there. Or something right. like that. But I wasn't good enough. I wasn't near good enough, and uh, I didn't want to be a co- like you know you're as you as you know through your son. College sports, it's all consuming. Right, all consuming. And, and I didn't have the energy, and I would have ridden the bench, and I was terrible. And right. uh, I spent a year studying at a rabbinical seminary in Jerusalem. Oh, that's right. You, I wrote that down. Fuck. Spent yeah. a year at a yeshiva in Jerusalem. Yes, at a place called, in a place called Katamon, in, which is a neighborhood on the outskirts of Jerusalem. And, uh, or not outskirts, there are no real outskirts of Jerusalem, right. but it's, it's a little bit away. It's about uh, an hour and a half from the center on foot. Right. And, and so um, I, someone was opening up a comedy club while I was there. This Wait, so kept, it, it, are these all kids that want to be rabbis? Everyone's, you know, it's customary for Orthodox kids or even a couple of conservative kids to go to Israel for year after right. high school. Uh, some kids do a gap year, but especially if you're not the brightest like me, you do uh, you do a year and then see. But you know I, you are the brightest, but you just. I, I was not doing well in school. I had no okay, evidence. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It, but, that's a measure of one fucking thing. Okay, but I applied, I applied to NYU and I, this time I was lucky enough to get in. I think I wrote about something I, you know, some stuff I'd seen in Israel and like. It was a really, uh, and I really fell into comedy because there was a sort of fledgling English speaking comedy scene and there were like five comedians. So I headlined, like I headlined at- When you were like 18 years old? Yeah. I mean, they, when I was, when I was 18 years old with, with, you know, literally all the material I'd ever written, I was like- Headlining, and I was terrible. I was, and not you wouldn't well. work on Friday nights, of course. Well, the club wasn't open on okay. Friday nights, but Saturday. you know, like I was still. It was Saturday, It was a Saturday night after Shabbos activity, and the open mic was every Monday, and it was the same like twenty five, you know, young people, and maybe like, uh, and some of them were settlers, and some of them were Israeli Arabs, and some of them right. were Palestinians. So like, this was a real true mix of people. And like, uh, they had the same, and, and so I had to write new material every Monday for the same, for the same group of people. And that's how you become a good comic. Right, right. At writing a bit. So that's, I, I was following. So, and, and were you, did you ever want to be a rabbi? No, I, I mean, I have a real love, you know, the funny thing is as I sort of lean in a little bit to my Jewish identity, it's, it's been good for my comedy. Right. But like, um. No, I, I've never, I've never wanted to be a rabbi, but I do like the way that people, you know, uh, observe. Right. Like, I think the people, Jewish discussions about God and whether he exists and stuff Right, like right, that. right. The I love the discussion of religion. Yes, yes, you know? yes. Okay. So you graduate NYU, but you're doing stand-up in New York, correct? Yeah, but I'm not good. Like, I'm, 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 I'm it's one of those things where you, I was sort of feeling my way through. And also, New York comedy clubs in, like, 2010, they were um, mean. Like, they were very, like, the comedy was very, like, punch-downy. And, like, uh, it wasn't exactly for me, but I was, like, I loved those club comics. And I loved, like, I would go to the cellar a lot and do my yeah. homework because I went to NYU. So I right. was there all the time. But, like, yeah, I was doing stand-up. But it wasn't, it, you know, I wasn't, I, I, I wasn't making any money at it. And I wasn't very good. Like, I, right. I was genuinely, like. So who would you see at the cellar? 
Oh my God. I mean, I'd see Nikki Glazer. I'd see Nick DiPaolo. I'd see Gullman. I'd see Sherrod. I'd see uh, Chappelle. I saw Robin Williams on occasion. Like I saw everyone. I saw Louis CK, you know, before he passed away. I saw all of the, <laughs> all of uh, the comics that you yeah. could possibly. Right. I saw Dane. Also people forget this about Dane Cook. He was crushing, but right. you know, Dane, Dane was there, and um, and Dave Attell. I'd always watch, and Kurt Metzger, uh, Attell. I mean, Attell, I mean, Attell, Attell is the best. I mean, I have said this eight thousand times on the podcast. I was emceeing the first night he ever did stand up comedy what? Um, at, at Comedy Grand at, in Fifty Five Grand Street in Soho, and he came in. He was a student at NYU. And he went on stage and he did this. I, everyone who's listening has heard the story. Fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself because Alex hasn't heard the story. So he came on stage and I remember he did a joke about um, anorexia was very in the news. So he mm-hmm. said, yeah, all these, everyone has anorexia. The other day I walked by Macy's and one of the mannequins had her finger down her throat. <laughs> That's so funny. And That's everything great- he- yeah, and everything he's, he was so funny. Gets off stage, oh, it wasn't that good. I go, oh my God, you're so funny. So, um, yeah. I saw Amy Schumer a lot. Schumer was, yeah. Schumer was on the shows. There were so many different. I took a break from the cellar, I think around that time, because I was doing theater. Um, mm-hmm. And when I was pregnant with Ben, I was at the cellar. And, you know, this is when they allowed smoking. And I was on stage and obviously like seven months, eight months pregnant and someone's smoking. I said, could you not? And they went, they took a puff and blew it in my face and no one did anything. This is before we had, they had security. It was 2001. And I was like, I'm done. I can't. So that gave me a bad taste. And then I started doing theater and then I went back and, you know, because I was there in like 87 and, and. um, I still, you know, all those it's so funny because hanging out at the cellar in some way made me a comedian. But right. in another way, it meant that everyone at the comedy cellar will always see me as a bit of a kid. Right. And so it's funny because sometimes I, you know, run into a comic from the cellar from, you know, when I was in college and they're there and they're like, you're still doing comedy? And I, it takes everything in me not to be like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm doing better than you. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> I know. Like, <laughs> I was that kid at Catch a Rising Star in uh, – in the early 80s. I, I love that. It's part yeah. of your growth as a comic. You right. love, you know, no I, one who does comedy doesn't love comedy somehow. Oh, please. I would sit at the bar and pray to get on. And I remember, like, Joy Behar, like, how old are you? And, um, you know, I was so Joy much. Joy Behar. I, how, old, how old are you? She got so mad at me once because my father died when I was 27. And we were sitting at the bar and she's like, uh, I was like, yeah, my father died. That's too bad. I said, do you have both your parents? She said, yeah. And I said, how come you have both your parents and you're so much older than me? And my, you know, it was like ridiculous, but so whatever. Funny. But yeah, I, I sat at the bar at Catch Rising Star. Another story I've told many, many times. And we had backup comedians because people didn't have cell phones. And if you were late for your spot, there was no way to get in touch with the club. Sure. And the two backup comedians were me and Chris Rock. So anyway. That's unbelievable. And, you know, the funny thing is those two, I don't know if it's this way at Catch Rising Star, but some of those people would give me good breaks. Like Colin Quinn was always really nice. Oh, he's the best. And Godfrey, 
yeah. who's always who's you know a, a mercurial personality, right? And and and, uh, and he would and, and I'd watch this guy Godfrey. He'd go on last at the cellar and yeah. do an hour and crush. Right. Like that's like Paul Mooney used to do at the Comedy Store. Oh, I saw Paul you know? Mooney at Caroline's when I was in college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do the midnight shows on Friday nights, and I for two hours, in. three hours. Yes. Yeah. And it would be, a th- it would end at 3 a.m. And one night I walked in and he went, you want to go on? No. I go on. I do five minutes. I do fine. And Paul Mooney comes and he spends the first half an hour ripping on me for being white and being Jewish. Right. And not, and the relationship between black people and Jewish people, he gets into it. It was yeah. like, and he comes off after it and he's like, hey, you know, I don't mean it. You know, and, yeah. I, and I was like, it's the greatest thing I've ever yeah. seen, man. It's totally yeah. fine. Thank you so much for listening to part one of Kill Me Now with Alex Edelman. If you like the show, which I mean, how can you not? Make sure to subscribe and leave a review. It helps more people find this amazing podcast. Five stars only, please. And if you have not purchased my book, yes, I can say that. When they come from the comedians, we're all in trouble. Then you are in big, fat, hairy trouble. It's great. People love it. The audiobook was featured in New and Noteworthy in the New York Times book review. <laughs> Just when you listen to it, I would put it on a lower volume. Good night, folks. Anyway, people are talking. People are talking. Uh, here is a international review on Amazon. International. An important statement in defense of free speech by a talented comedian and writer. It underscores the vital importance of transgressive comedians, Lenny Bruce and George Carlin, to American culture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I'm smart too, motherfuckers. So there you go. It would mean so much to me if you would check it out. All order links are on the homepage of judygold.com or wherever books are sold. Also, make sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram for all upcoming shows, virtuals, events, crap, just shit, stuff I have to say. It's at judygold, J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D. You know, like Jew gold. (laughs) Anyway, thank you so much for listening. And be well, be safe, vote, 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 vote. And as we always say, so long. Don't forget to tune in next week to Just Kill Me Now. Um, just kill me. Don't forget to turn for part two on Just Kill Me. No, it's not. Just Kill Me. No. Judy Gold's Just Kill Me. Just Kill Me Now.